Pastor Amy, so glad you could join us today for more of Jesus. Last week at Dinner Church, we talked about there's not always time to delve deep into um, and under the context of stories that we share. And so this is an opportunity for just a little more learning, a little more depth, a little more context. This is also the first school snow day of the year. So get your cozy blankets and your hot chocolate and let's talk about more of Jesus. The story that we talked about, it was the story of Jesus' baptism. And we reminded ourselves that for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he probably lived a very mundane and simple and unimpressive and unremarkable sort of life in poverty, in daily poverty. Uh, Because for the four Gospels we get in our New Testament, there is not one miracle recorded, not one healing, not one sermon. Jesus didn't draw any crowds, nothing worth writing down from a human standpoint anyway. But as he gets to these waters of baptism, still God says complimentary words over Jesus. He says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. For somebody who hadn't accomplished much of anything yet that we know of, uh, to be complimented by God like that is pretty significant. What that told us um, is that we also don't have to do anything or accomplish anything to earn God's love or God's delight in us as God's creation. But we didn't get to talk about this phrase, the child of God, the son of God, that's used of Jesus, which has enormous implications. And you might say, now wait a minute, I thought everybody in the world was a child of God, right? No matter where they live, no matter who they are, aren't all people children of God? That's what we talk about anyway in our modern language. It's like sort of saying no one has a right to claim any special status with God. Everyone's a child of God. And while that's a popular thing to say in the modern world, uh, and I believe there are good intentions behind that, the ancient New Testament writers Um, did not use that phrase so flippantly. To these ancient writers, being a child of God was actually an incredibly special and sacred designation. In their minds, children simply resembled their parents. Because I am my mother's child, I talk like her, I uh, have a lot of the same quirks that she does, I show hospitality like her, Um, I have many similar values deep-held values that were instilled in me, like honesty and hard work. And to be God's child from the perspective of the New Testament meant that one would act like God and speak like God and uh, follow God's will, be obedient to God, would love like God, would value the things that God values. It certainly included a level of parent-child, and I know many people don't like this word, it's a harsh word, but obedience. There was honor in being somebody's child. So to use the classic villain example, somebody like Hitler in history, for example, um, the New Testament writers would have really, really balked at the idea that this person was God's child because he didn't resemble God. Uh, he, he intended to cause harm. That wasn't what God was like. Um, there was so much of the value system that was different. They would say, don't call this person a child of God. That's not right. But like on the complete other hand, there was one person in history that was the first person ever to have this consistent title in scripture, 
as the son of God, and that was Jesus Christ. What that meant was Jesus loved exactly like God, was perfectly obedient to God, uh, showed who God was in everything Jesus did, the exact representation of God's being in the world. And he was in that way unique in all of human history as the son of God. So being a child of God in the New Testament isn't just equivalent with being human or being loved or created by God. It was a special designation. And and, and you can read that in lots of scriptures. When Matthew chapter 5, 9, it said people also became children of God if they were peacemakers. Matthew 5, 45, people were called children of God if they loved other people like God loved them. In, in Romans 8, 14 and Galatians 4, 5 through 7, again, people are children of God if they are led by the spirit of God, if they are cooperating with the spirit of God, doing the things God would be doing, saying the things God would be saying. John 1, 12 says to those who receive him, who believe in him and put their trust in him, it says he gave them the right to be called children of God. You see, because Jesus himself was the first and only true and obedient son of God, he opened a way, joining us in our baptism, opened a way for us to also earn this privilege, this right to become children of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, the firstborn. In Hebrews 2.11, it says both the one who makes people holy and the ones being made holy are from the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. When we act like God, when we speak like God, when we love like God, we are bringing our our father honor and our brother honor. To be God's child is, is both this precious right and a responsibility. It's reserved for God's holy people through baptism in the New Testament. And God knows none of us is perfectly obedient like Jesus, far from it. But we invite God to change our hearts, to change our lives, and commit to being on a journey of becoming. And hopefully this growing resemblance is strong enough that people can pick us out in the crowd. That's God's child. That's God's child. That's Christ's sister, brother. There's family resemblance. So next time someone says, everyone in the world are all people are children of God, they probably have great intentions. They probably mean that God loves everyone. Yes. They probably mean that everyone is of sacred worth in God's sight. Yes. They probably mean that God's grace is free and equally available to everyone. Yes. But from the New Testament perspective, it's so much more than that. It means we're trusting in Christ, the firstborn of many, to make us more and more like Christ. And so we have an opportunity. If we claim to be God's children through Jesus Christ, let's ask ourselves, how am I becoming more like Christ? How am I inviting Christ to change me, to fill me, to source me, to move me? And in what ways is God working on obedience? In what areas of my life am I being parented and led toward deeper levels of obedience? How am I trusting for God to do this in my life as a faithful child? Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And I hope you have a wonderful, blessed, and warm snow day. Amen. 